0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated entertained and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am John Hutsmith, the host of this here show and i am so glad that you are with us this week. We got a little bit of a random one this week. Every couple months i i you know i keep this running list on my phone of like things i want to talk about and episodes and everything like that. And i always wind up with this big pile at the bottom of things i want to talk about or cover that just don't quite need their own episode. And so i do This it's like uh, when your mom, you know, makes a casserole out of everything left in the refrigerator. That's kind of what these these episodes are. And so we got a little bit of everything. We're going to talk about uh, Oklahoma 2023 deer harvest numbers. We're going to talk some turkey harvest numbers. We got a lot of really exciting events coming up in the state. And I want to make sure you guys are aware of those and know about all that stuff. So we're going to talk about that and a bunch of just other really important, really random, informative, maybe entertaining things that are going on that, again, I just think that you guys should be aware of. So uh, not much of an intro this week because this whole podcast is really just going to be kind of me talking and covering different random topics. And so, yeah, not much of a need for an intro. So we're just going to go ahead, skip the intro, jump on into the episode. So I'm glad you're with us this week. That's what we got going, and I'm glad you're here, and we're going to jump into the episode right now. Alright guys, so first up I want to talk about a few just upcoming events going on in our state that I wanted you guys to be aware of. So, first one is the Backwoods Show. That is coming up March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd at the Oklahoma City Fairgrounds. Always a really good time. Uh, They do a really, really good job with this show. I go pretty much every year. And uh, it's just a really awesome place to showcase things from around our state. Um, you know, There's always fishing guides, hunting guides, hunting blinds, uh, fishing equipment, knives, always tons of knife, knife dealers out there. Um, people who you know, came up with some cool product and they need a way to get it out there, this is the place you can see that stuff. Um, so like I said, it's at the Oklahoma City Fairgrounds. I believe they usually have the you know like fishing tank for the kids. Um, usually there's going on at the same time. I think there's a car show. There's usually a gun show. Um, a few years ago, there was like a cheerleading competition that was going on in one of the other buildings. So just a really, really fun filled activity, um, a day to get your family out there. The usually the weather is usually pretty decent, but even if it's not, it's inside. So that is really awesome. They got food, they got drinks uh like i said just a really really cool place and uh again there's usually just a lot of sweet oklahoma outdoor businesses there for you to go and uh and see um the oklahoma bowhunter uh people are always there selling their hats and shirts i see posts all the time asking where people can get the hats and the shirts uh this is a great place probably the best place to go get hats and shirts for oklahoma bowhunter and, uh, yeah, like I said, just a lot of really, really cool people out there. So be sure to go check that out. And then the following week, uh, March 6th, uh, from 1 to 7 p.m., is Rack Madness. And I actually have not been able to make this in the past. Um, you know, it's – it's well, it's usually always during the week, which is a little problematic for me, just not living super close to Oklahoma City. Um, but I'm going to really, really try to go to this year. This year it's on a Wednesday. I think they normally have it on a Friday. Um, but it's put on – uh, basically, by the Oklahoma Game Warden Association in the state, and it's a, a place where you can come and you can get your deer officially scored. So, by this time, you know, you should have your 60 day drying period uh, done and over with, so you can go there, figure out what your buck is act, you know, what it actually scores, and not just what you wrote down on the tailgate. Uh, one thing that I am going to try, like I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to make it out there. Uh, so, Stone, the buck that I killed with my bow this year, I already have it back, uh, or him back, because I just did a European mount. And so I, I have my rough score that I did, you know, like the day I shot him. Uh, now that the drying period is over, I think I'm going to try to score him again as best I can. And then I want to take him and get him officially scored there at Rack Madness. And I want to compare all those, uh, you know, like just my rough score the day of to see if there was any shrinkage. You know, when I score him now after he's had his 60 day drying period, and then I want to see how close I am to, you know, my score to like the official score because I am not an official score. I've never been trained. I basically just watched a bunch of YouTube videos back in the day, like most people. Uh, And so I'm just kind of curious of like how close I am. Um, I know people are going to be asking, why don't I take the 2% buck? I just don't have him back from the taxidermist yet. And so maybe I'll take him next year. Uh, I'd love to get him officially scored, even though, again, that, that hunt was not at all about the score. Um, I'd just be kind of curious to see how close I was on him also. So, the Backwoods Show, Rack Madness, two awesome events coming up in the next month. Be sure to go check them out and just get involved in the community. Get out there, meet some fellow hunters, and it's just a really, really good time. So, those are the two announcements I wanted to get to. Uh, now, I want to get into something a little bit more technical. I want to talk about some uh, some harvest numbers from the last few years. Uh, Oklahoma department of wildlife conservation puts out the harvest totals. Um, I I think they're still kind of gathering numbers for the 23, 24 season, but they've put some out. And so that's kind of what I'm going to go off of. And, and in this, I want to talk about something else that, um, you know, I mentioned all year that it just seemed like a weird year in the deer woods. Like things just seemed off. Uh, I feel like a lot of people were reporting that they weren't seeing as many deer as usual. And I heard something the other day that made a lot of sense and it kind of explains that. And so after we talk about some of these deer totals, I want to get into that and maybe shed some light on why this year was so weird. So, uh, so yeah, starting things off 2021, we're going to go back to three years ago. Uh, in 2021, Oklahoma took 117,629 deer, which is a lot of deer 2022. Those numbers went way high to 134,158, which is really crazy. And then this year, they backed off just a little bit. 2023, so far, the numbers they have are 122,413. And so, some people look at that, and part of the reason I put 2021 in there is because if you just look at the last two years, if you're just comparing 22 to 23 A lot of times people are like, oh man, like we killed less deer this year. The season sucked. We need to change all this stuff. But you got to go back a little further than that. You know, you got to look at this historically. And historically, Oklahoma is still killing a crap ton of deer and basically killing more deer every year. Um, I think instead of looking at it as 23 as a bad year, I think you got to look at 22 and say, what the heck happened there? Because. Going from 117,000 to 134,000, that is a huge jump. Uh, so to me, it almost makes a little bit more sense that we came back a little bit more in 23, uh, because I I don't know, I just feel like 22, something happened there that maybe that shouldn't have been that high. Um, so I'm, I basically all that's to say, I'm not discouraged whatsoever that we killed a few less deer in 23 instead of 22. Now, as to why... I think this year might have been a little different. I heard this on uh, Mark Kenyon's podcast, Wired to Hunt, and every year he does the State of the Whitetail uh, Report. Uh, you know, it's like the State of the Union except for the State of the you know Whitetail World. And um, on there, I heard something that was super interesting, and it made a ton of sense. And it also was something that I. Could not have observed myself just because of our property, and I'll go to that in a second. But um, they talked about how this year was basically just an insane, crazy acorn year. Where I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the term that they used to describe it, but um, essentially, you know, the trees can kind of communicate with each other, they know what's going on. And essentially, this year, all the trees got together and was like, Hey, this is the year for acorns, and I want to say there's like a seven-year cycle, something like that. Like it happens, you know, ever so often, um, and basically just all the trees overproduced acorns this year. And part of the reason I say why I would not have been able to observe that on our on my property is because, like y'all hear me talk about, we don't have that many acorn trees. We don't have that many thick or that much thick timber at all. Our place is very wide open, uh, but that makes a ton of sense as to why deer numbers were down or deer sightings and pictures and all that stuff, uh, because we did not have acorns. We just were not holding the deer this year. And because, you know, me, I run a lot of cameras on feeders. I have some cameras, not on feeders also, but a lot of my cameras are on feeders. And I think that's where the majority of people have their cameras because that's a great place to get inventory. Well, if deer have this huge abundance of acorns out in the woods everywhere, uh, they're Probably not hitting feeders near as much, which means people are going to be getting less pictures, less concentration. And if there's acorns just everywhere and not you know concentrated in one area like they normally are, even if you're not running cameras on feeders and you do have them out on trails or acorn trees or whatever, you're just still not going to get as many pictures in one area because the deer are just so much more spread out. Um, so when I heard that, it just it made a lot of sense to me. Um, Again, it's something that I couldn't really observe uh, because I, I was, yeah, I had no idea what was happening. Uh, you know, I was blaming neighbors, I was blaming warm weather, and you know that could always be a factor. But, uh, but yeah, I think that massive acorn crop definitely could have played a much bigger role than what I would have thought. And so, and I'm curious from you guys because again. I wasn't able to observe it. I'm really curious from you guys if anybody out there did observe that, you know, if you have a bunch of Oak trees and it's something you can still kind of check on right now, you know, go walk through your woods right now and look for acorn caps, uh, or deer scat and stuff and just see, you know, if it's more spread out than usual, if it's, if there's acorn caps everywhere, then you know that that could have been the reason that you, you know, had a little bit different year. Um, I'm really curious, and I'd love to hear again from you, listeners. You guys, or guys and gals in the western part of the state, did y'all have that same experience? Like, was it was it an odd year out west where acorns aren't near as big of a factor, or did y'all have more of a normal season? Y'all are just like, what are you guys in the east complaining about? So, uh, so yeah, I would love to hear back from you guys to see if uh, if that makes sense to you, what you observed, and if you have any more input on that. All right, I want to stay on harvest totals, but I want to switch gears to turkeys. And the reason I want to talk about this is because for the last two or three years, it has just seemed so doom and gloom in the turkey woods. Just anytime you hear people talk about turkey numbers, whether it be statewide or nationally, it just seems like everywhere you go, turkey numbers are down Predator numbers are up, habitats being lost, and it just, again, it just seems so doom and gloom, which is a shame, because it's really just the last two or three years that I have kind of started getting into turkey hunting, and so, you know, if you're a young hunter, or aspiring hunter, or even if you're an older hunter, you know, looking back on the glory days, it just, again, it just seems so negative in the turkey woods, but... Uh, I, I want to bring this up because I think we're starting to see a little bit of hope. And so the first solid year of of Oklahoma harvest numbers I could find was 2020. And I think that's kind of before you started seeing, you know, big declines, maybe on the, the, the start of it. But in 2020, uh, Oklahomans reported a harvest of 6,839 turkeys. In 2021, that dropped a little bit to 6,063. And then in 2022, that's where you saw the big drop. That number dropped from the 6,000s to 4,589. And again, I think that's when a lot of people were kind of slamming the panic button, uh, you know, nationwide and locally. Um, I believe that's the year they switched from the two-tom limit to the one-tom limit. Um, I think they took out the fall season. Um, That's just when they started making a lot of changes, and and I think those changes have made an impact because when you go from, from that number of 4,500 in 2022 to last year, at 2023, the number bumped back up to 5,855, so not quite up in that 6,000 mark, but pretty darn close, and I mean, you're talking an extra 1,300 birds in just one year after they changed these regulations. And so, not only that, but I just uh, like it seems like on social media lately, um, I feel like I've just seen a lot better numbers. You know, people maybe it's because people are excited to see turkeys again, where maybe they had a down year too. But I just think like I've seen so many pictures of like nice big broods and you know gro- and big flocks of turkeys and everything like that. Um, and I know like especially in the western part of the state where. You had so many people that were used to seeing, you know, flocks of 50 or 100 birds out there. Now they're seeing maybe 15 to 20. That can seem very discouraging, and I get that. And Yes, it is kind of discouraging, uh, but I guess all I'm saying is I think these things that we have put in place and, and the education that people have now is I think we are starting to get back on the right track and getting those numbers up again, Um Again, you know, changing the, the season. They, they bumped the season back a little bit, which I think is a big deal. You know, when you hear all the experts talk about when turkey hunting should take place, um, taking uh, when the seasons are a little bit later, it just helps the birds go ahead and finish some breeding. You know, uh, have some more uh, success in the breeding. So you have more birds procreating, which is obviously really good. Um, you're getting some birds to, to later age limits. And, and I think a lot of it too, or people are just, they're not as selfish as they once were. Like they realize that, uh, there's not just a turkey around every corner anymore. So it makes them a little bit more picky, a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe they're letting birds get to an older age class by not shooting jakes, not shooting hens anymore. And I think a big part of it too, is also the nest predators. Like you see so many more people, trapping raccoons and possums and stuff like that that weren't doing that just a few years ago um you know i used to shoot raccoons just because i was bored you know for fun running around at night shooting raccoons uh but now you know i actually have some traps and i set those around my deer feeders and along creeks and stuff uh this weekend i'm actually going on a varmint hunting mission i'm headed up to the ranch uh, I'm gonna be trying to take out some raccoons and coyotes, uh, possums, skunks, whatever it might be. All those little nest predators. Predators. And um, I had never been that concerned about it in the past because, like I said, on this, you know, on our new property, we really don't have any turkeys. Uh, but last year, I saw two gobblers, and that like fueled the fire. It, it basically made me think that it is possible for us to have turkeys if we do the right things. And so we've been doing some burning, some clearing. Stuff like that, and I think the the predator thing is something that w- could really help us out because we have a ton, ton of raccoons and little varmints and and uh, and coyotes and everything. So I want to do my part and help out with that. So uh, again, the the main reason I wanted to bring this up though is just to encourage people that I think we can help these birds out if we do the right things, work on the habitat, work on the predators, and just hunt smart. So that's my, uh, that's my two cents on the turkey hunting topic. All right, one last critter on the harvest report before we move on, and uh, I want to talk about mule deer just a little bit because if you guys are hardcore listeners to the show, I revealed a few weeks ago that I'm calling 2024 the year of the mule deer. And so I have my my guided hunt in South Texas coming up in uh, late November, December or something like that. And uh, and I really want to try to get up to the paint handle and do some mule deer hunting in Oklahoma. It's something that I've been wanting to do for years. <laughs> It's just so far away and uh, you know when it when it comes time to do to have, or when it comes deer season I have all these nice white tails running around my place the thought of you know driving across the state to somewhere I've never been to try to chase and you know shoot a little forky is just it, it loses some of its appeal but uh, this year I am really really determined to try to do it so uh, some quick numbers for you guys. In 2021, there were 255 mule deer taken in Oklahoma. In 2022, there was 210. And in 2023, there were 242. So pretty darn consistent there. One thing that jumped out at me a little bit was that 2022 year where the numbers dipped just a little. I mean, I don't know if you can call 30 deer a dip, but uh, but that was a low year for mule deer but that was the year with whitetail where the the numbers surged that was the 134,000 whitetail year so I don't know if that correlates at all just something that kind of jumped out to me that the year that the whitetail did really good it seemed like the mule deer didn't um could have been a weather thing I'm not sure uh but just just something odd that stuck out to me so um, yeah, like I said, I, I really, really want to get up there, um, it is almost, maybe a little bit discouraging looking at these numbers, knowing that between, you know, private land, public land, draw hunts, um, all these different counties, I don't, I don't know how many counties there, uh, excuse me, there were that had taken a mule deer, it was like six or seven, something like that, but, out of all those hunters, only 242 usually get a deer. That's a little bit daunting, uh, like I said, especially when I have you know just a nice, awesome private land spot to, to hunt whitetails uh, on our own land. But uh, but I think it'd just be a really cool adventure, and uh, I'd, I'd love to get up there and hunt that part of the state. Um, so yeah, anyway, and like I said, this is more just selfish than anything, but I wanted to throw out these numbers that... Um, Uh, we do have a nice little mule deer population. I have also been paying attention to, obviously we don't have any of the data yet, but the state has been collaring some mule deers up in the panhandle. Um, and so I'm really, really interested to, to find out what they learn. Um, yeah, just, just really cool to, to, you know, explore uh, just another diverse animal that we have in this state. So super quick little segment, just because I have mule deer on the mind. There you go. Some quick mule deer numbers. All right, up next, this one's kind of out of left field, but I saw a news article a week or two ago that really just kind of frustrated me. And uh, it was about wild hogs. That's why I want to bring it up. And the article was basically saying that a new study has found that wild hogs could be good for the environment because they promote biodiversity. Because as they're rooting around, they're spreading seeds and... And you know, working the soil and all this stuff, and and I'm I'm not saying that that's not true, Um but what kind of burned me up is I, I feel like I feel like hogs are kind of the one species that you know PETA and all the all the animal rights people have kind of left alone, because they realize they're super destructive, they're invasive, uh, they multiply quickly and stuff, and uh, and I think everybody basically just pretty much agrees that they're super harmful, and so they don't, you know, there hasn't been any push to try to, like, ban helicopter hunting or trapping or anything like that, but I feel like that's where this article was going. I feel like this article was almost like setting a foundation for a fight, you know, from the animal rights people. They're they're putting the word out there to uneducated people, not uneducated, but you know, people who are not educated about wild hogs that don't deal with them and everything. They're setting this foundation of like, hey, these pigs are, are great, they're good, they're, you know, helping plant life and this and that and <laughs> it's just on a large scale it's just not true and you know the examples that it used in the article were like in a rainforest setting and and stuff like that and and again i just felt like they were trying to trying to warm people up to the idea of hogs are a good thing and they're just not like i mean we in the state of oklahoma obviously deal with these things uh, day in and day out they destroy crops they're tearing up the landscape they're you know like like you guys know um and uh and again like uh, the reason it upset me like I keep talking about is just like I feel like they're getting ready to to do something that is going to uh, really hurt us in the fight against wild hogs. Uh, you know, they're like the article mentioned that they were currently working on a poison that would, you know, only kill hogs again, like on one side of the article, they're saying, Hey, like these things are good for biodiversity. And then on the other side they're, Oh, by the way, these big, bad hunters and farmers, like they're going to try to kill these things. They're using poison. They're, they're going to go to waste. And, uh, and so, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this other than to educate you guys to say that, um, you know, like if you look at Colorado and what's going on with wolves, like that doesn't necessarily impact us right away. Um, like in the Northeast, they've banned black bear hunting, stuff like that. And so much of this is just so far away from us that it's 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 almost like, hey, out of sight, out of mind, not my problem. But uh if if these people do something to try to limit how we control wild hogs, like that's going to hit home really, really quickly. And so I just wanted you guys to be aware of this article and uh, yeah, I, I just I feel like this is laying some groundwork to really impact negatively how we control wild hogs. So just wanted to throw that out there again. I don't think this deserves a whole episode, but I do think it's worth mentioning. So I wanted to bring that to y'all's attention. All right. Another random topic that I've been wanting to to talk about just kind of from my own observations. um, Something that has become really popular the last few years is uh, forestry mulchers. You know, the big metal heads that spin real fast, grind up trees And in certain situations, these things are great. Um, You know, if you got a thick uh, stand of cedars and you want to make a house pad or a road, something like that, then in that situation, yes, forestry mulchers or forestry heads are great. But if you have a deer property or an area that you're wanting to improve for wildlife, I would strongly recommend you not using the mulcher. Um, because when you clear trees or you're doing something like that for wildlife, you are wanting to promote growth. Like that is the point of clearing out trees. You're letting sunlight hit the ground and letting things grow. Um, think about your flower bed, you know, your wife or mom, like my mom loved having flower beds and especially because she had three boys to help her take care of them and she'd plant her flowers and then what we what do you do around those flowers you put mulch why because that mulch keeps things from growing and that is exactly what happens with these mulch heads. Um, I've ran one. I, I, I used to work for a, a right-of-way company. I've spent a lot of time on those things. I've been around them a lot and on our last hunting property uh, we had a big transmission power line that went across just like this one corner and it was a, a big thick cedar area and right before we had bought the property they had gone through with one of those heads and like cleaned up the right-of-way and seven years later when we sold that property there was still nothing growing in that corner because the cedar mulch was so thick that nothing could get through it and so I I, again like I just you see these mulchers everywhere everywhere now and again if you're just trying to clear a property for house building road whatever then yes they're very effective but if you're trying to Uh, you know, better your habitat and get things to grow and provide cover or food or whatever for wildlife, a forestry mulcher is just not going to accomplish that goal. It's going to do the opposite. It's going to keep stuff from growing. You're literally putting inches of mulch on your property when you use one of these things, so very random topic, um, but I just again like it seems like everywhere you go now you see these mulchers working, um, and I know they're very tempting because it's super quick, it's it's pretty affordable to clear a big area, but like especially if you're trying to plant a food plot or something like that, it's just not going to, in my opinion, there's just better ways. It's better to just doze it and burn it or clear it with a chainsaw, drag it off to the side. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, you just disc it in or whatever. I've ran a disc on these things. It's not as simple as just running a disc over there and it's gone and you, you know, go plant your food plot. So anyway, all that to say, I would just strongly discourage you from using a mulch head if you're going to try to improve your land for wildlife. Random topic. I think we're up to like number six, something like that. Uh, it is officially application season, so if you have ever wanted to go try to hunt out of state somewhere, maybe get a trophy hunt or just do something out there, it's about that time. So um, start doing your research. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, applications for Oklahoma aren't till April. Uh, Wyoming is actually come and gone. It's too late to apply for Wyoming if you're wanting to hunt this year, but it's not too late to apply for uh, preference point. Um, so yeah, I would just really encourage you guys. I know it's daunting. I know it seems like it'd take forever, but it's only going to take longer if you don't start now. So, uh, I was able to draw my Iowa tag last year. I think I had how many, I had either five or six points, which means it took me five or six years to get those. Um, so, yeah, uh, it seems like every year I add another state because uh, once you kind of get the system down for a state, it's really not that bad. And so I think currently I'm getting points in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, Kansas. Uh, this year I'll go back to Iowa, um, Oklahoma, Texas uh i feel like i'm missing one but that's like eight states right there that i'm uh, applying for um it, if you if you do it right there's ways to save some money a lot of states you can get by with just 50 bucks uh, it's 50 bucks for one point um other states so like i think it's utah that i'm doing um uh, you have to have a valid license uh but the license is good for like one year from the time you buy it. And so basically, the strategy is you buy a license in the middle of application season. You can get a point with it that year, and then the next year when the application's open, that license is still valid, and so you can get another point on that same license. Um, so there's little tricks like that. Uh, I actually just recently got my first ever um, uh, oh gosh, subscription to Go Hunt. Uh, it's like a hunt planner, so you can look at um, you know different units and how many points on average it takes to draw it. There's a lot of good advice on there. Has all the season dates and everything like that. Um, I think I might try to put in for like New Mexico and Idaho this year. So those those two states do not have point systems, but. Um, Basically, you have a decent chance of drawing without points because nobody has points. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's just just an interesting thing to look into. Um, keep track of it. I, I have a an Excel spreadsheet on my computer that I help keep track of um, because you need to like like in Oklahoma, you know, there's the different hunts and everything and the different animals uh, or species, I should say. Um, and so I keep track of like you know which specific units I put in for um you know i I pretty much put in for everything um deer elk antelope i think last year i even put in for turkey for the first time um and so yeah just just wanted to make you guys aware that it is that time of year um and like i said if you're new to it just pick one state um pick an easy one um i'll throw it out there wyoming wyoming's pretty darn easy you just make an account uh, I think you, so like I said, it's too late to apply this year, but you can still get a preference point. I want to say you can go get a point from like June 1st to August 31st, something like that. Uh, like I said, you make a profile, it's 50 bucks and, um, and you got a point. Um, you know, you can, there's elk, mule deer, bighorn sheep, moose, like you name it. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, start small, work your way up. Keep track, you know. Try to stay organized with what all you're putting in for, and get out there and try something new. All right, guys, this is probably going to be the last topic for today, but uh, something that I am just you guys, if you listen to the show before, know I'm huge on, and that is not waiting till the last minute to do all your preseason work. And I'm talking, you know, hanging tree stands, shooting lanes, moving blinds or stands or feeders or whatever do that stuff now um you know hopefully you were paying attention while you were out there hunting this season and and making notes of little things like hey i need to move this stand one tree over or there's this limb halfway down my shooting lane that i need to trim stuff like that all those little knickknacky things there's no reason to wait till it's 110 degrees this summer before you try to tackle that stuff, or wait till it's you know ten days before opening day, and you're out there spreading your scent everywhere and being all smelly and stinky and hot, get on that stuff right now. Um, like I said, if you if you know you need to move a tree stand, just go move it now. Go ahead, hang it. Uh, I will say maybe go a little light on the trimming if you're if you're hanging a stand right now because things are going to grow and change. You know, I do like to do kind of a final trim. Uh, you know, a month or so before deer season, uh, but just plan ahead. Um, like I said, it's, it's, there's just no reason to wait till the last minute when you have all year. I know it's busy. Believe me, I know I have a, a, a daughter and my wife is super busy in the spring with her job and, and I'm busy, um, but just, you can find some time, I think. Um, so like, and, and at, like I said, at the very least, make those notes of things that you need to do before deer season. Every single year, I make a note on my phone. I call it my whatever year it is to-do list. And I go through and I put every single one of my spots. You know, I have the back, the saddle, the East Creek, like all my different hunting areas. And under each one of those areas, I list everything I need to do to that spot, whether I need to change the straps or add a bow hanger uh, add a, at a rope, you know, maybe, maybe my pull-up rope is getting old and frayed and I need a new one. Um, change the battery in the feeder, whatever it might be. I do that for every single spot so that, you know, all spring and summer long, every time I go out to the ranch, I have that list and it's like, Hey, what are a few things I can knock off this week to get me more prepared for this coming fall? Um, so yeah, just start thinking ahead, you know, plan out those food plots, Um, start thinking about, uh, you know, what you're going to plant, when you're going to plant, um, get, you know, talk to your spouse, like put things on the calendar. Say, Hey, uh, my wife and I actually just did that last week. We do that every year. We go through, uh, we usually do it twice a year, actually. So we do one for the spring and summer because that's normally her busy season. And then right before fall, we do it again. We kind of do my, my hunting calendar, uh, so we just went through and I marked all of her events on my phone, in my calendar. <coughs> so that way I know, you know, when I need to keep my daughter, when I don't. And, uh, you know, I put like, like, hey, I'm going to go hunt. You're know, like, I'm going to do the, uh, the youth turkey hunt again this spring with the Oklahoma Outdoor Outdoor. Oklahoma. Uh, man, I just get it wrong every time. Oklahoma Outdoor Outreach Foundation. Uh, and so I put that on the calendar, let her know that that's com- going to come up. Uh, There's the last weekend in April and the first weekend of May she doesn't have anything so I told her hey those two weekends I'm planning to go to Nebraska to go turkey hunting so she knows three months in advance that that's kind of on the books Um, so yeah just start planning your year because trust me uh, and I know some of you older guys probably know it even more than I do. Uh, you know, once you get married and start having a family, those weekends fill up really, really fast. So just start planning ahead because success in the fall honestly starts right now. I, I talk about that all the time. You got to plan ahead. You got to start early if you want to be successful this fall. So. So yeah, I think that's going to do it. Welcome to the random episode. I think we hit like seven or eight different topics there, some harvest numbers, uh, news articles about hogs, all kinds of random things. It's just, like I said, it's just one of those episodes that you got to do every now, every now and again when you have a bunch of different things, uh, but they just don't quite deserve their own episode. So thank you guys for sticking it out with me this week. We're going to get back to a, a regular uh, episode next week and yeah good luck to you guys um like i said i'm headed out to the ranch this weekend i'm gonna be trying to just go to town on hogs coyotes raccoons possums skunks anything i can find got uh, got the thermal charged up got the 22 loaded and it is go time so that's what i got going on this week thank you guys for tuning in and until next week i will see y'all right back here on the oklahoma outdoors podcast